0: If you look around, like there are different accounts that make it sound like they knew this was a person who was fucking around and they were gonna find that person. And then other accounts were like they thought it was a ghost. But again, like if you thought it was a ghost, what's a gun gonna do for you? Right.
1: <laughs> I'm Paige. And I'm Megan. And this is Spooky Science Systems. Hello, you're listening to Spooky Science Sisters, a podcast where we present to you a science-based, and probably very giggly, discussion on all things strange and unusual.
0: It's time for another installment of Spooky True Crime Stories, and we have two really good ones for you. We are going to talk about H.H. Holmes, and we are going to talk about the Hammersmith Ghost. But first, we're going to do something spooky! (laughs) Today might be weird. (laughs) I feel rested. Wow. And I know it's shocking. And I had enough time to finish my notes. So that's like, that's like a, that's serious business. All right. So Paige, has anything spooky happened to you since we recorded last?
1: Yes. Something very spooky happened to me today. (laughs) Very serious. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I am getting ready to to record and I've gone to the bathroom and I'm getting my drink and then I, I step back in the bathroom for a minute to blow my nose and I thought I heard the door from the basement open and close. And so I'm standing there in our bathroom and I'm like waiting to hear something other than just the door and I don't hear anything. So I'm like, Elliot... Is that you? (laughs) And I hear nothing. Hello? And I hear nothing. And then all of a sudden. Oh, no. (laughs) Running past the bathroom door is a person with a blanket over their head. (laughs) (gasps) (laughs) It's Elliot. And he just goes, Ooh, spooky ghost. (laughs) What a fucking asshole. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Did you tell him that you like didn't have anything spooky to say and so he decided to do it for oh, you? Oh no, he
1: had no idea. He uh he <laughs> I was sitting there laughing and um I don't remember what he said and I, and I just responded with, "Oh, I'm using that for my something spooky." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Elliot, you're
0: about to become another anecdote on the podcast. <laughs>
1: It was pretty funny.
0: (laughs) I thought you were going to say that, like, Ari all of a sudden came busting past the door, (laughs) which, like, could be scary to just all of a sudden hear the (laughs) scrabbling dog feet.
1: (laughs) 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 Nope, just Elliot. Uh. Just Elliot
0: being an idiot. Uh,
1: so what about you? What <laughs> spooky happened to you?
0: Uh, I don't have anything super specific. I think we were originally going to record this yesterday, so I had written down that yesterday afternoon I drank enough triple strength Dalgona coffee to, like, make me never sleep again. I did sleep, but
1: my tummy has felt
0: weird all day, so... <laughs>
1: I was say you said you felt rested, so you must have slept. I time. must have
0: like slept good despite the caffeine, but like I think my stomach may never recover. <laughs> it's fighting back. Yeah, Stephen was like, "This is equivalent to like five cups of five twelve ounce sixty ounces of coffee." <laughs> he was like, "Don't drink all that." <laughs> Why'd you make it so strong? Jesus. Uh, and then my other thing was that I'm just very sad that The Last of Us is over because I, I don't have anything to look forward to on Sunday nights anymore. I know.
1: I'm sad, too. I might just restart it <laughs> every Sunday just watching their episode as yeah, if it's still airing. Just keep
0: recycling probably for, like, the next two years because that's how long it's going to take them to make another season.
1: <laughs> or I'll just, like, every Sunday night for an hour I'll play the game.
0: Oh, that's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. do like – yeah, do an hour of Last of Us time. Yeah. That's smart. You can do the first game, then you could do the second game. Heck,
1: yeah. And then that would that would run you up to the next season.
0: Yeah,
1: I was going to say, if, if
0: the next season comes out next year – because my plan is, like, I was like, I'm not waiting to figure out how this story ends up. Like, I'm going to play the next game – with like heavy assistance from Stephen. <laughs> 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 There's no way I'm making it through. But yeah, I'm going to play the next game. But yeah, if I only did like an hour a week, that's like, yeah, I could probably get pretty close because it's yeah. going to take me a really long time to finish <laughs> it. <laughs> and I might never be the same emotionally, apparently. So yay, looking forward to that. <laughs>
1: Talk about something spooky. <laughs> I will never recover. Oh, my God. How do we have 10 pages of notes?
0: <laughs> That's my something spooky.
1: How did we do this?
0: I don't know. Yesterday, we had like a page and a quarter, and then apparently we both <laughs> were like, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I still feel like I could add five pages.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was, like, still going in and, like, making little changes and stuff. Mine was way longer than I thought it was going to be. So, all right. So, today, I feel like, Paige, you got the harder task because you took on H.H. Holmes, which is, like,
1: an enormous topic. (laughs) It's so big. And, like, that's there's, like, literally – every point in his life there like you could do an episode on there's just so much to talk about be prepared for some of this to be like me sort of zooming through because we just (laughs) don't have the time to talk about it all right
0: right yeah like i'm there are yeah there are entire podcast seasons dedicated to him there are entire books written about him like it's a whole thing
1: yeah so
0: yeah so we we're not going to be able to do like the world's deepest dive because that would require like an entire season of a podcast. But, yeah, I know there are some key things that you're going to talk about that I'm excited about. I am very sad, though, because, like, I think within the last couple of weeks, the, like, H.H. Holmes, Devil in the White City project got, like, officially canned.
1: Not a thing anymore. Yeah, and, like... (sighs) I don't know, because it was supposed to be a movie first, right? And yeah. then they decided to make it a TV series because the movie wasn't gonna work out, and then they now they've poo-pooed on that too.
0: Yes, yeah, it was like supposed to be a movie, and Leonardo DiCaprio was devolved, was devolved, involved. <laughs> and then yeah, then it got switched to a series at Hulu, and I think like Keanu Reeves was tied to it, but yeah, it like officially got like the the boot. But I guess, like, I haven't read the book yet. And it's been, like, in my on my shelf for, like, a decade now.
1: <laughs> so which book? Like, the Devil in the White City book?
0: Yeah, Devil in the White City. Okay. But from what I understand, I think there's, like, aspects. Like, I think it focuses on him. I I don't know. I should know more about it. But, like, there are aspects of it, I think, that people are just saying, like, are really difficult to, to film. So I think that's sort of why it... Got stalled and then never materialized
1: well, and here's what I am gonna say is that, like, I don't know, I like watching true crime stuff. I'm not proud of it i don't <laughs> I don't think it's doing great things for the world necessarily, but uh, <laughs> I do enjoy true crime, but like I'm not clear that this guy really needs any more time on the big screen or like any more attention focused on him. We can
0: yeah fair enough, yeah any like <laughs> film yeah there's there's been so much yeah there's been so much like documentary stuff done on yeah. him that like as like it as fucked up as it sounds, like yeah, what I would be excited for is like that it would be a period piece and you'd get to see like old Chicago and there'd be really cool costumes, and it's like, but should I be excited about those things when it's like about a prolific murderer, right, maybe not. <laughs>
1: Um, that, uh, I will get to the, the 10 pages of notes eventually, I'm sure. But, uh, I had to bring up the show. I'm still, I'm a little sad. Oh, no, (laughs) I'm just going to bring something else up is all, um, you guys haven't started the devil in me yet, right?
0: No, I heard he was a care. I I just saw last night that he was a character in that. And I was like, Oh,
1: very exciting. It's like based on him.
0: Oh, it's like the whole,
1: yeah. Like the whole game.
0: Is oh him.
1: yeah. So,
0: we'll play it. All right. I guess I'm gonna get my
1: fix anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie. Well, let's we'll do it. I guess, huh? We're gonna do it. Um. So, which we already just talked about. We are going to start with what I think is probably one of the scarier monsters, if not the scariest monster that we've talked about since we started the show um
0: (laughs) at least in reputation
1: (laughs) yeah but like generally i don't know like we haven't i don't think we've talked about many serial killers so i still think he makes it up there (laughs) people are
0: scarier than monsters (laughs) yeah people are the real monsters
1: (laughs) exactly and he's known as being like america's first serial killer H.H. H. Holmes, that's what you guys all know him as. But his real name, his the name he was born with is Herman Webster Mudgett. And <laughs> what are you laughing about? <laughs> I'm
0: laughing because he has like a really lame real name. And it's like I know. you know what? Suck it, man. You I just Live with that stupid name. <laughs> Sorry to all the Hermans and Websters who are listening. <laughs> it's mostly the mudget part at the end that does. Yeah, it. it's really just
1: the three names all clumped together that makes it sort yeah. of
0: yeah. Like the oldest of old man names. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Poor baby Herman.
0: Uh. No, not poor baby Herman. <laughs>
1: Um, So, as we've already sort of alluded to, we're here to tell you that the stories you know about H.H. Holmes are likely very different than what historians think actually occurred. And so, a little bit about his childhood. He was born in 1861 in Gilmanton, New Hampshire. He was an intelligent kid, born into a wealthy family. And there's a lot of information out there about his family being really dysfunctional and that he had an abusive father. There are stories about Mudja as a child dissecting animals that he found around the house to study their biology. Some people even believe that he may have killed his friend when he was really young. But basically, like it sort of seems like most of this is just stuff that was sort of filled in. After the fact to give yeah. him like the stereotypical serial kill, killer like background or childhood. Um, right. So there doesn't really seem to be much evidence of any of this. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that like I had a hard time finding... Like a clear answer on, and I don't know if you know, Megan, is that it seems like pretty unlikely that he was directly involved in his friend's death, but it does sound like he did lose a friend at a young age and may have even been there when it happened. Mm
0: -hmm. No, I had no idea.
1: I don't know. I don't know anything. I don't know shit about. So I, like I said, I'm not quite sure if that's true, but if it is like, I can only imagine the effect that something like that would have on a young kid um, having to to witness a friend dying. So yeah, what we do know about him as a child is that he was interested in medicine and it's something that he wanted to study. Uh, My voice is still not fully back if you can't tell. (laughs) (laughs) So sorry, sorry, everybody. So yeah, we knew as a child, he was interested in medicine. So as a young adult, he ends up enrolling in med school at University of Michigan. And during his time at U of M, there are some stories of him supposedly stealing and mutilating some cadavers and then using them. Some sources say for insurance fraud. Uh, I know I've heard in the past that like he was selling them to like other medical schools or like later on in life would sell like skeletons to medical schools for money.
0: Yeah, I thought he was just either like digging up graves and selling the bodies or selling the skeletons. I hadn't heard that he was like stealing from the university.
1: Yeah, and I've heard a little bit of all of that. Um mm-hmm. And and honestly, of some of the earlier crimes that people think he committed or have like said he's committed, these really wouldn't surprise me so much Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of the crimes that he like most definitely committed were financial crimes. So Mm -hmm. like it wouldn't totally surprise me if he was doing some of this just to make money. Yeah, I'm trying not to spoil anything because I have so many thoughts later. Yeah, I'm trying not to say too much yet either. <laughs> I mean, people know, but like,
0: yeah, have, yeah, the like, the the sort of like real story aspects. It's like, I know what you're coming to and I'm very excited about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so he is a mediocre student in med school. He does end up graduating and in 1886, he takes a job as a pharmacist in Chicago uh, and this is where the alias Dr. Henry Howard Holmes, or H.H. H. Holmes as we know him, is born. So he's living in Chicago now. Um, Do
0: we know why he changed his
1: name or was he just
0: like he didn't like his name or he knew he was in trouble for something? or I could not tell
1: you that. Okay. I mean, so I know that like later on there is some using of like other names for, right. you know, like – finance for like insurance fraud type yeah. things and that could be why but i don't know that i actually saw that anywhere specific. Gotcha. okay so those of you who have heard the home stories before are likely familiar with uh what is called the murder castle or the murder mansion the building that he lives in this building supposedly based off of the stories we all know or have heard It supposedly housed Holmes' living quarters, his hotel, and his torture and murder rooms or devices. The stories say that one floor included small, soundproof torture rooms, secret passageways, false walls, secret trapped doors and chutes, maze-like hallways, and in the basement, an operating table, gas chambers, and a crematorium. Lovely. Pretty horrifying place, right? <laughs> <laughs> Most of the stories that are told are sort of centered around the World's Columbian Exposition or the World's Fair in Chicago in eighteen ninety three, where Holmes opens this murder castle as the World's Fair Hotel, lures people in to stay there, tortures and kills men, women and children.
0: And if you go like on any sort of like Ghost or Spooky tour in Chicago. It's like you always are going to go places where they're like, oh, they say H. A. Tomes hung out here and like picked up his victims.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> yeah. And like, so, I mean, that's essentially like this right here is is most of, I would say it's like a really, really brief synopsis of like the stories that we, we've we heard in the past. Um so yes. I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that, Megan. Yeah,
0: just that he's like a total – Monster, and he's you know built this like very sophisticated place with all these trapdoors and creepy places to kill people, and yeah, that he's apparently charming and smart enough to like get away with killing a whole bunch of people.
1: Yeah, but we know better. (laughs) But we know some other information. (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, So in 1894, just... A year after the World's Fair in Chicago, Holmes is arrested. And what he's arrested for isn't totally clear to me. It sort of depends what you're, what source you're looking at. But whatever it was, it seems to have had nothing to do with any sort of suspected homicide. It's either an arson case where he suspected to have committed arson for insurance money or something about like some horse theft I'm not quite sure, um, <laughs> but he's arrested. <laughs> As with
0: anything, 130 years old that like has gone through a lot of like sensationalized media versions, it can be difficult to. Sort out all the fine details.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, And so the details really of kind of the rest of this story are a little bit all over the place. I've done my best to try to piece together the parts that seem to have some truth behind them. Um, But (laughs) understand that, like I said, some of it may be not totally 100% accurate.
0: Yeah. I mean, the important thing here is like we're trying to tell what's the true version of events versus like, what's the sensationalized H.H. Right. H. Holmes, like
1: mythical figure events. <laughs> so shortly after he's arrested for this, investigators begin to suspect him of being involved with the murder of an associate of his Benjamin Peitzel and Holmes and Peitzel had supposedly made a deal that they would fake Peitzel's death and Holmes and Peitzel's wife would split the life insurance payout. Mm. And so in this agreement that they've made, Holmes was supposed to find a cadaver that they could use to play dead Peitzel. So they would like had a body to use as Benjamins, but somewhere in their planning, Holmes changes his mind and I don't know why or what happens, but basically He decides, nope, we're not doing that, and ends up killing Benjamin instead.
0: (laughs) Well, let's actually do a murder. (laughs) Like, let's actually just murder him, right.
1: Um, (laughs) And supposedly, he does this by, like, using some chloroform to knock him out and then sets him on fire. Uh, Jesus Christ. Which, like, horrible. Uh, And if that's not horrible enough, he then goes on to tell Peitzel's wife... That they were successful in faking Benjamin's death and that he is safe and in hiding. Oh, dear. So now, like, she thinks she's going to get this insurance payout. She thinks her husband is safe. Uh, And then he, you know, he's, like, getting her to trust him with all this. He manipulates her into allowing him to take three of their five children with him. Where are they going? I still don't really know that I have found an answer, though I am assuming he told her that they were going to visit Benjamin. That's just a guess. Um, I'm not really sure that I found information. All I know is that they're going somewhere and Holmes has three of her kids. Just bad decisions. (laughs) Right, right. And like, I mean, clearly at this point, you know, not trying to blame her at all because like... She obviously trusted him, at least somewhat, and like him and Benjamin had some sort of working relationship. But it's like, this is a man who had just made a plan to fake your husband's death. Like, he's clearly not an honest guy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So. But, I mean, I guess if her husband was going along with it, neither is her husband. So, I don't know. He he had to have been at least convincing enough to... Make them think that he was safe and that this was a good idea. (laughs) Uh,
1: Unfortunately, as you can guess, the three children in Holmes' custody did not survive that trip. And Holmes is eventually arrested again for the murder of the four of them and does confess to their murders. The bodies of the two girls, Alice and Nellie, were found in the cellar of Holmes' Toronto home. And the boy, Howard, his remains were found in the chimney of a cottage that Holmes had rented. So these are the four murders that he gets arrested for. And they're, I mean, basically, they end up being the reason that he sits in prison. They end up being the reason that he is sentenced to death. Mm-hmm. This is really the, I mean, this is the story.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, like, ultimately what he gets caught for is, like, trying to commit insurance fraud. Yes. And that yeah. was, like, basically his whole jam this whole time was, like, right. he was collecting insurance money on various people. So, Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, and I do, like, I, and I wish I would have written this down because I can't remember for sure, but I think there was even, like, a small... Bit a time where he was like trying to find a way to collect some sort of money off of these kids too. Um, and like you said, that was like, that was his thing. So um, yeah. Yeah. So when he's arrested, he admits to somewhere between 27 and 100 murders. It seems like based off what I've read that his confession confession starts at 27 and that he actually gives 27 names but his story and the number seems to sort of change a couple of times mm-hmm. uh, as more people get involved, journalists get involved. The story starts to, to change and develop. Nowadays, though, you will read that he may have killed as many as 200 people, a number <laughs> that wasn't suggested by him. It wasn't even suggested for the first time, it seems, until the 1940s. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> the number that like we all hang on to was made up 50 years after his death. And it's really the biggest reason that we are still talking about him mm-hmm. in the year 2023. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now, of the original 27 names that Mudgett gave, which are in articles as like, he had said these are the these are the people he had confessed to killing. Yeah. Of those twenty seven names, several of them at that time were verifiably alive. Those guys full of shit. So yeah, just like <laughs> yeah, he did not kill all of those twenty seven.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: and as to like the
0: two hundred and then the number that comes up later, like whether or not that's sensationalized journalism or which I'm, I know you're going to talk more about, but. It could also just be like, oh, I had a family member who was missing, like, who went missing at the time of the World's Fair. And, like, at that time, you've got, I mean, like, tons of people who are in the city of Chicago and, like, a lot of immigrants and stuff who'd come into town for this. And so, like, I could imagine that, like, there were maybe a few more disappearances than normal and, like, they weren't all HH homes. Like, it was other people or it was people, like... You know just skedaddling of their own volition and like so I'm sure over time anybody who had a family member who went missing during that time was like oh probably it was Holmes absolutely and like that so that that's like another way that that number gets inflated
1: and I'm trying to see if I can find it really fast so there is an article Uh, And this is jumping ahead a little bit, but that's okay. I don't think it's like totally spoiling anything by any means. Um, (laughs) Most of us know at least part of his story. Um, There is a newspaper article, the Chicago Chronicle. I think it looks like it's a newspaper. Uh, Either way, there's an article written um, the day before his – or the day maybe of his – Execution mm-hmm. and and I'm wishing I had saved it. I thought I I had, but I can't find it. There's a quote in here from him um, where he's basically saying that, like, if they're if they are gonna blame me, uh, here it is. I have been accused of killing almost every person who has disappeared during the past ten years. Uh, and I knew they would swallow in an, any sa- a sensational story I might write. Of course, there is a good <laughs> deal. on the confession, that is not true. But the newspaper wanted a sensation, sensation, and that's what they got. And I there got well go. paid for it. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so Holmes got well paid, but, like, ultimately executed?
1: Yeah. So actually, and that's what I was – yeah, I'm not really sure why this was agreed upon. And I, I think I know the answer. So okay. – Um. The next thing that I was actually going to talk about actually worked out perfectly is that he is paid some amount of money for his story, for his confession. Okay. Um, That amount of money, it looks like it ranges somewhere between $7,500 and $10,000, but I'm not quite sure exactly Yeah, which actually is like a fuck ton of money at the time. That is a fuck ton of money, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, let's, what would that be in today's dollars? Let's do the lower end, $7,500 yeah dollars let's say 1890 wait what year was he caught 1894 he's caught in 1894 well you didn't make it very far yeah
1: to today oh it's like so much money $7,500 in
0: 1890 is equivalent in purchasing power to about $247,000 today. Yeah.
1: So (laughs) he gets paid possibly more than that by the Hearst Corporation, uh, which is the owner of like... Well, now, anyways, owner of like Cosmopolitan and the oh. True Crime Network oh. and like some pretty big names. So, um, I don't, yeah, I guess I don't know exactly who they owned at that point, but like, you know, they were selling the story. They wanted a sensational story, like he says. Right.
0: And I guess like maybe he takes the deal because he figures he could like pay somebody off or something. Like, I don't know,
1: to like try so- and buy his way out of prison or like not get executed. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure there was a little bit of that, but at some point he um Oh, frick. Why can't I think of the word? He was in prison, but he's like appealing his sentence at some point, so mm-hmm. like I kind of wonder if he was just like sure he would eventually get off. And so he took the money. That's yeah. the only thing I could imagine. Yeah. Well, like of course he thought that he was smart enough to get free eventually. Sure. Right. Fuck that guy. <laughs> right. And, like, that's my thing is, like, this man has a history of committing crimes specifically for money. So it's, mm-hmm. like, by offering him a big sum of money to sell his story, like, everybody had to have known that it was not going to be the most truthful confession. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. He's, yeah, he's giving a story that's going to sell. Mm-hmm. So, Yes. Basically, I just want to like say that obviously like we are not trying to defend this guy. We think he's like a monster, and frankly, I think he's sort of a piece of shit. But <laughs> 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 uh but like we just wanted to like set the record straight on like what the story was.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. It's like it yeah, does, like it does feel a little bit funny to be like, let's set the record straight. Like this guy didn't kill as many people and like yeah. he wasn't but i think it's just like i look at it more as like let's confront the real monster that was here and what he yes. really did rather than this sort of like mythical version of him who's like this sophisticated killer who like got away with hundreds of killings and like had this crazy murder castle and it's like no this guy was like a fucking jackass who committed (laughs) insurance fraud and like yes he killed people and he was a terrible person but like he's not some like i don't know hallowed serial killer who's like so great at what he did and like
1: yeah I just don't want people coming away from this thinking that they that we were like, oh, he did kill 200 people. He only killed four. Like, that's not... Yeah. No,
0: no, no. Yeah. yeah. I'm not trying to defend what he did or make <laughs> him seem better than what he was because, like, I just think, like, I think it's interesting that, like, people talk about him, like, almost with this, like, reverence for, like, how yeah. like, prolific he was as a killer and, like, how crazy the things that he did were or, like, at least the version that is popular that people sell. And it's like, no, he was just like a piece of shit. Like, yeah. Like I, that's my point here. (laughs) Yes. Same. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't that smart. Like, I don't think he was that smart. Like they say that he was like just an average student in med school and had to like, you know, steal bodies or whatever to make money. And yeah, like, I just, I don't think he was all that. He was just some piece of shit, dude.
1: So anyway, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now you know. Now you know. I have a lot of thoughts about this. (laughs) Um, Okay. So like we mentioned, there are several crimes that Holmes had been involved with over the years. However, a large majority, like like basically all of those crimes were financial crimes. Mm -hmm. There were reports of theft, of insurance fraud. There are some mentions of domestic abuse and like I couldn't really confirm those, but frankly, it wouldn't really surprise me. So yes, he was a long time criminal, but it is likely that he actually did not kill his first victim until 1891, but like maybe even later than that, yeah. which means at most, there were only three years between his first victim and then his arrest in 1894.
0: Yeah. Which is like saying something in terms of Like, in terms of serial killers or, like, people who are, for lack of a better word, good at it, like, some people, like, even much later, when technology and, like, the sharing of information between police departments and stuff was much better, you know, much, much later, got away with this kind of stuff for a lot longer. Like, my dude only got away with this for, like, three years. Right. And, like... Maybe didn't even, yeah. So, again, he's, like, become this, like, mythical figure. And we want to talk about how crazy he was. And it's like, but he wasn't, though. He was just some piece of shit dude who, like, wasn't even that good at this.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, um, So, from the Smithsonian Magazine article, The Enduring Mystery of H.H. Holmes, America's First Serial Killer, by Mylan Solly. She discusses the book, The True Story of the Devil in the White City, written by author Adam Seltzer. And in that article, she says, quote, the facts are these, says Seltzer. Sensationalized reports suggest that Holmes killed upward of 200 people. Seltzer could only confirm nine actual victims. Far from being strangers drawn into a house of horrors, the deceased were actually individuals' homes befriended or romanced before murdering them as part of his money-making schemes. So nine victims were all that he could confirm. And I have read uh, an article, I've read through this some articles that suggest that Peitzel, that the Peitzel family members are really like the only four who have truly been confirmed Mm -hmm. and that the other five are just like assumed victims where they're pretty sure that he or that they were victims of his. Gotcha. So then the murder castle, because this is the (laughs) other thing that has like this grand, like this, this reputation of just like you said, being like just this like like super well thought out house or maze of a house. That's like literally just built to like torch to for you to get stuck in essentially. And then get injured.
0: And it's like, I mean, it's like the inspiration for like the American horror story hotel season. And. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, it took inspiration. Yeah. From H H Holmes and, and yeah,
1: his, his supposed murder hotel. Okay. Um, so yes, this, the murder hotel or the murder castle was like really not, it was not a murder house and it wasn't a hotel. Mm -hmm. Um, while there are some confirmed reports of like hidden rooms, those were basically just rooms that Mudgett had walled off because he was trying to hide (laughs) furnishings or other things that he had stolen from shop owners, (laughs) coming to either collect their money or to repossess their repossess their property so there were <laughs> hidden rooms but like not in the way that people think that there were
0: yeah he was just hiding shit in them that he didn't want to get caught exactly
1: <laughs> um the crematorium and gas chambers that were supposedly in the basement, to my understanding, are just complete fabrications oh. as the more like modern day version of this story started to emerge. From that same Smithsonian article, Solly says, and while historical and contemporary accounts alike tend to characterize this so called murder castle as a hotel. Its first and second floors actually housed shops and long-term rentals, respectively. When he added a third floor onto his building in 1892, he told people it was going to be a hotel space, but it was never finished or furnished or open to the public, Seltzer added. The whole idea was just a vehicle to swindle suppliers, investors, and insurers.
0: Yeah, he's just he's just using it as like a front to yeah yeah to like get money out of
1: exactly. But there was like never it was never used as a hotel. It was never opened as a hotel.
0: Yeah, he's not like bringing people there as guests. Like, oh, we've got this great place for you to stay, and then exactly like dropping them down a secret shaft to the basement where they get gassed and then torn apart or whatever. Right. <laughs> My dude was just trying to commit insurance fraud. Right. <laughs>
1: Um, so the Peitzel family case, like we mentioned, is ultimately what lands Mudgett in prison for a short time before leading to his public execution. Mudgett is hanged on May 7th, 1896 in front of the Philadelphia County Prison. Gotcha. So he must have like fled Chicago because he ends up in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. did. Um, but right before his arrest, he had fled Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, And so people believed for years that Holmes bribed authorities to let him go and that he had escaped his execution was actually still alive. Yeah. P- people. <laughs> <Wait>. Oh, yes. <laughs> and people felt so strongly about this that in 2017, so 2017, like, yeah. Six years ago. Yeah. Archaeologists were asked by Holmes' descendants to exhume his remains and confirm his identity, which they did. And they were able to confirm his identity through dental records.
0: Yeah. And I've heard all sorts of stuff about that, too, where, like, some people will say, like, oh, he, he didn't actually get executed. He fled to Europe and he became Jack the Ripper. And it's like, No.
1: He yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I have also read the same thing. There are like tons of stories, but. Yeah.
0: I didn't know they had actually dug up his body. though. I didn't and, either. And confirmed it. That's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. So it is confirmed. I don't know if awesome is the right word,
0: but it's something.
1: It's something. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> if you're concerned, well, I mean, obviously he wouldn't still be alive today, but if you were at some point concerned that Holmes was not actually executed and had been floating around and was Jack the Ripper. Uh, we're here to tell you that archaeologists have confirmed that that is not true. Yep. He was, he was um, very much dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is, he's been dead for a long time. So that's kind of the end of his story. Now the castle or the murder castle, the hotel, whatever you want to call it uh-huh. was gutted by fire after reports of two men seen entering the building late one night Um and it's, I guess, I don't know, I think that was just shortly after his execution or maybe even while he was still in prison. Gotcha. Um, but the building stood for a while longer and wasn't finally torn down until 1938. But now it's where the Anglewood USPS stands in the Englewood neighborhood in Chicago. Yep. So no longer Murder Castle now. It's just the post office. Yeah. And I'm sure people like to tell ghost stories about the post office. Yeah. Didn't we <laughs> hear ghost stories about the post office when we did that tour in Chicago? I think she, yeah, I think she said something.
0: I think, yeah, I think some people were like, oh, can we go there? And she was like, no, don't go there. <laughs> 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 it's not in a great part of town. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's torn down. And I don't know. I think she she alluded to there being stories about the post office. But,
1: you know, it's just the usual BS, I guess. (laughs) And so one final quote from that Smithsonian article that I think really sums this whole thing up well Quote, as Frank Burgos of Philly Voice noted in 2017, Holmes was not just a serial killer, but a serial liar eager to encrust his story with legend and lore. While awaiting execution, Holmes penned an autobiography from prison filled with falsehoods, including declarations of innocence and exaggerations. Newspapers operating at the height of yellow journalism latched onto these claims, embellishing Holmes' story and setting the stage for decades of obfuscation. There you go. So, yeah. I mean, basically, Holmes,
0: definitely still a monster. Yeah. Um, But not some, like, legendary killer who, you know, got away with all these things. Exactly. So, I think, yeah, I prefer to think of him as just, like, a sad little man who tried to commit a lot of insurance fraud and thought that he was so great. Exactly. You weren't, though. You were just a loser
1: who got caught and paid the price for it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And that's sort of – and Yeah, kind of my point, I guess, at the beginning of this is that, like, not that I think if the stories we all heard were true that he would deserve fame because I don't believe that, but, like, we've just given this guy so much more attention for things that, like – yeah, like
0: he doesn't deserve the no. fame that he's gotten. Like he should just like that's
1: probably what he would have wanted is like right. to be in exactly and it's we're like we're giving him what we wanted. He wanted right. him like mostly for things that aren't even yeah true. So, so
0: fuck that guy. Yeah. Fuck that guy. <laughs> that guy sucks.
1: <laughs> I'm Anne Marie Kelly.
0: You approached that exactly how I was dreaming.
1: Yay. (laughs) I did
0: it. (laughs) Great. Well, that is A.J. Tomes, who was just a sad little loser. Um, (laughs) Now we are going to talk about the Hammersmith ghost, which I had written this down forever ago. And then forgotten why I had written it down and then had to like refresh my memory and take all these notes. And I was like, oh, now I know why
1: I was so excited about
0: this. (laughs) So this is like a little treat to myself from past me.
1: (laughs) Thank you, past Megan. Thanks, past Megan.
0: (laughs) Okay. So this story takes place in Hammersmith, a village on the outskirts of London in 1803. So we're like almost a hundred years before H.H. Holmes sent across the ocean. Uh, So that November and December, people in the village started claiming that they had seen a ghost in the area of Black Lion Lane and St. Paul's churchyard. The ghost would jump out and confront them, and some people were even grabbed or physically attacked. So very scary. The ghost was described as tall and dressed in a white cloak or like something that looked like a burial shroud, essentially, Mm -hmm. um, or sometimes wrapped in a calf's hide. And some of the stories even said that he had horns or like glowing or glass eyes. (laughs) So there's Mm -hmm. there's a lot going on here What people are seeing. Okay, Thomas Groom, a servant described his encounter with the ghost as follows. Since says, I was going to the churchyard between eight and nine o'clock with my jacket under my arm and my hands in my pocket when some person came from behind a tombstone, which there are four square in the yard behind me and caught me fast by the throat with both hands and held me fast. My fellow servant who was going on before hearing me scuffling asked what was the matter. Then whatever it was gave me a twist round and I saw nothing. I gave a bit of a push out with my fist and felt something soft, like a great coat. So yeah, the thing like jumps out from behind a gravestone and grabs this guy around the neck and he shoves back and like feels like what feels like a heavy coat on the person. So like a little, a little hint that like, this is scary, but like, why is this ghost wearing a coat? (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) I was going to ask like, so I have heard this story before, but okay. it was a long time ago, and I like don't really remember much of it at all. But why do people think this is a ghost? Well, we'll get there. I don't really know. I don't think
0: I have a good answer for that because like, a lot of these stories sound to me like that is just a person wearing a sheet, like a stereotypical right. ghost right? trying to scare people. But I think they were like, I don't know. So there, there's some fuzziness as to like who thought this was actually a ghost and like who thought this was just a person okay. dressing up like a ghost and fucking with people got it. and that will sort of like become important later okay yes because yeah, some some sources did specifically mention that like some people were skeptical about this and some people really did believe it was a ghost. Uh, okay, so sort of another key encounter here, or at least one that was rumored because you get some shifting details as you always do, was that a pregnant woman was grabbed by the ghost while walking near the Hammersmith churchyard or St. Paul's churchyard. She fainted and had to be taken to a nearby home to recover although some accounts claim that she died a few days later there's also stories of an elderly woman who was grabbed by the ghost later dying of shock yikes yeah and like here's the thing like these are not those encounters are not substantiated so like we don't really know (laughs) but like The thing is, at the time, like, those stories were being circulated and people thought that the ghost, like, at least some people thought the ghost had killed women. Got it. So an account of one of these was published in the book Old and New London, It says, one poor woman while crossing near the churchyard about 10 o'clock at night beheld something as she described it rise from the tombstones. The figure was very tall and very white. She attempted to run, but the supposed ghost soon overtook her and pressing her in his arms, she fainted in which situation she remained some hours till discovered by the neighbors who kindly led her home when she took to her bed and died two days afterwards, which like, I mean, to be fair, person or ghost, like if someone rises up from behind a tombstone and then like gives me some sort of like squeezing hug, like that is going to scare the fuck out. Right. Me. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Like people, regardless of what was really going on here, people started freaking out. And there were villagers who believed that it was the spirit of someone who had committed suicide about a year earlier and was buried in the churchyard because apparently at the time it was believed that those who had taken their own lives could not be buried on consecrated ground or their souls wouldn't be at rest. Hmm. So there's like definitely some people that believe that this is really a ghost. Sure, (laughs) But like, yeah, in retrospect, it all sorts, it sounds a little bit silly because it's like, as far as I can tell, like he didn't, The ghost didn't kill anybody. Like, nobody actually died of fright. Like, I think those are just exaggerated stories. And, like, he's just sort of jumping out and scaring people. Okay. And it's, yeah. Okay. So the final encounter of note happened on December 29th when William Girdler, a night watchman, spotted the ghost, and as he chased it off, William witnessed the ghost throw off its white shroud in order to run faster. And it's like, (laughs) my man. Like that's very obvious sign that you did not see a that ghost, is a ghost. <laughs> a that is not a ghost. You just saw a dude that is <laughs> not a ghost. You just saw a dude in a white sheet <laughs> who was like, "Oh shit, they're gonna catch me."
1: throws it off and runs for it. <laughs> what you like we've we've heard these stories before, right? Like, yeah. And, and I just wonder, like, what do these people think is going to happen to them? Because they can't possibly think there's a positive outcome. Like, I'm going oh, like to do this and scare <laughs> the shit out of people and see how long it takes before somebody beats the shit out of me.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I think I had this later in the notes, but this, like, very much reminded me of the clown sightings that were happening in, yes. like, 2016. Yes. Where people were just dressing up as, like, evil clowns and sort of just staring at people and being weird and hanging out around like schoolyards and stuff like that and it's like somebody's going to get shot like yeah <laughs> and like basically that's what happens here <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs> but like i'm shocked that it didn't happen in 2016 <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> yeah like i don't know like at some point it's like you got to you got to relax um i also sort of asked myself this whole time like if there weren't copycats at play like that there were multiple people who thought this was hilarious and like were going out dressed oh, probably as this. yeah so it might have you know been multiple people because they thought it was funny yeah so so again this is obviously not a ghost this is a person in a sheet but like at this point you've got <laughs> two months of like people having these like scary encounters like whether that's a person or not like you are not jumping out of a graveyard at me at night and like that's going to take years off of my life. Right. So like people were panicked and they were like hysterical and there was just like there was no going back. Like people were going to they were going to do something about this. Mm-hmm. So a few people in Hammersmith start sending out nightly armed patrols trying to catch the ghost. And oh, I think it's good. like they don't just want to catch the ghost, they want to kill the ghost.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I would. have – What other reason would they have to be armed? Well, I mean, I guess like, yeah.
0: Like, what do you think? A, like this to me, like this has to mean that they knew it wasn't a ghost, right? Because like, why would a ghost care if you, you had a shoot gun? A ghost, right? <laughs> like. What do you think is yeah. going to happen? Nothing. And, like, the only explanation I can give is, like, if they did think it a ghost, like, that because of Thomas Groom's account, the the servant who, like, felt the coat or whatever, that they thought, like, maybe there's some, like, corporeal aspect or physical aspect to this that, like, will be affected by a gun. But it's, like, I, they had to have found I don't know. And and that's the thing. It's like they're there. If you look around, like there are different accounts that make it sound like they knew this was a person who was fucking around and they were going to find that person. And then other accounts were like, they thought it was a ghost. But again, like if you thought it was a ghost, what's a gun going to do for you? Right. <laughs> that is a dead person. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, a lot of people thought that it was a dead person who had committed suicide by, like, slitting their own throat. And, like, so it's, like, well, they've come back to life. Like, again, what is a gunshot going to (laughs) do? Anyway. Okay. So... Now we come to the night of January 3rd of 1804, so a few days later, and this like all comes to a head. So a bricklayer named Thomas Millwood had been visiting his parents after work and started walking home around 11 p.m. Importantly, his normal work outfit was white linen trousers and a white waistcoat and an apron. Like a typical like plaster brickwork, like bricklayer outfit Uh i feel like we've all seen them so as he was walking along black lion lane he heard a shout and the shout said damn you who are you and what do you want i'll shoot you if you don't speak (laughs) and there are a couple variations of this depending on what you read but like the gist is the same and before thomas even has a chance to respond he gets shot dead through the face so Jesus, like that is it for him. And I was like, what is this? Like, the USA was happening here. <laughs> Oof. People need to chill out with the guns. Um, okay. So, and I'm leaving that in there because that's an honest opinion. Um, <laughs> so, the shooter was a man named Francis Smith, an excise officer which I had to look up, I guess that means he's the guy making sure like taxes and duties get paid on goods and services. So he's Oof. like a customs officer. Yeah. Uh, so he's part of like one of these vigilante groups trying to find and capture the ghost. Mm-hmm. And like before we're too hard on these people, this is like, this is like a small village on the outskirts of London. And there like wasn't even an official police force for Hammersmith yet. So, Like, I feel like I can't be too hard on them for trying to take things into their own hands. And, like, if they actually believe these stories that, like, whoever this is or whatever this is, like, scared a woman to death and, you know... They're all, they're all really freaked out. People sure. are panicking. So like I, you know, I can give them a little bit of slack, I guess, with that. That said, a couple sources did indicate that Francis had been like having some drinks at the pub beforehand. So it's like, maybe we don't go out with our loaded gun right after that. Yeah. It seems like the perfect not a, time to not be great. making
1: those decisions.
0: <laughs> not great decision making.
1: <laughs> <At work. laughs>
0: So, I mean, like, as I think he should have been, I guess, uh, Smith is arrested and put on trial for willful murder. He, like, fully admitted he had killed Millwood, but he did not plead guilty. Most sources say that he testified that he believed Millwood was a ghost. Like, he fully believed that, and he freaked out, and that's why he fired his gun that's where it gets a little fuzzy because like there were a couple that suggested that like he and the others who were like part of this vigilante group knew that they weren't hunting for a ghost. Like they knew it was somebody in a costume dressing up and freaking okay. people out. And it's like that detail sort of like I, a lot of how I feel about this hinges on that Absolutely. detail. And Yeah. And, like, even knowing that, like, again, people are really freaked out. Like, this per the person doing this is, like, not, you know, not making great choices either. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But, like, they're not, they're also not making choices that are, like, deserve them to, like, be executed publicly. Sure. Yes. And, like, I guess even Millwood's mother-in-law who's the guy who got shot and i keep switching back between first and last mm-hmm. name so sorry people um but even millwood's mother-in-law testified that she had warned him that like you need to wear a different coat over your white work clothes oh, <laughs> like, especially no. when others had like mistaken him for the ghost already like this had happened before and like thomas was like no no this is fine so like that ends up working in smith's favor As well, because they're like, well, Thomas, you know, there's this sort of little feeling that like Thomas should have known better, but we're not going to victim blame here. Yeah, that said, like, again, there's this detail that like I'm not clear that he did believe this was a ghost. And we also know from Millwood's sister that Smith fired almost immediately. Like, he did not give Millwood a chance to identify himself or like call back when he started calling to him, like, who are you and Mm -hmm. what are you doing? So it's like, well, Again, that's a little bit damning. Yeah. People do testify on Smith's behalf that after the killing happened, he was, like, very upset by his mistake. He surrendered to the constable immediately and that, like, generally he was of good character you know, in his everyday life. Um, His lawyers also argue that like, yes, he was careless and reckless to have shot at what he believed was a ghost, but that there wasn't malice present. So like he shouldn't be charged with willful murder. So we come to the jury now. Uh, So the question like his jury was like ultimately tasked with is like, is mistaking someone for a ghost a good enough defense to justify accidentally murder that murdering them.
1: Can you imagine being on this jury?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just sounds like a nightmare. And it was like, yeah, I think as soon as I saw like that, that sort of question summed up in one of the articles I read, I was like, this is the perfect Spooky, true crime. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, what if you thought you murdered a ghost? <laughs> but really, it was a guy. Um, more simply, you can frame the whole thing as like, is it murder if you generally believed you were in danger, but made an honest mistake in your interpretation of the situation? Because we all know that like, single cases have implications for future ones. So the jury initially returns a verdict that Smith was guilty of manslaughter, indicating that they believed his mistake in identifying Millwood as a ghost was reasonable. And that was like the rule at the time. Your conviction for willful murder could be reduced to manslaughter if you could show that you made a reasonable mistake.
1: That makes sense. Yeah.
0: And the judge is like, no fucking way to this. (laughs) He tells the jury, your only options are to either acquit or to convict of murder. And he clarifies to the jury that Smith was not acting in self-defense. Like Thomas was not in like about to attack him or anything. He's just walking down the street. That Smith went out that night intending to kill the ghost or whoever was dressed up as one. Like he went out with a loaded gun intending to kill someone or something. and. That, like I mentioned before, dressing up like a ghost was, wasn't was a crime punishable by death, nor was it reasonable to assume that a man dressed in white was a ghost. So the, the judge is like, no, this is not reasonable. It's either murder or you acquit him. He sends the jury back to deliberate, telling them to disregard the supernatural aspect, and they come back with a guilty verdict for willful murder. And Smith is initially sentenced to death. Jeez. Um, which, like... I think that was, like, the default sentence at the time, which, like, is, like, yikes. But the judge does, like, throw him a little bit of a bone because he sends the case to the king for review, and Smith's sentence ends up getting changed to a year of hard labor, which is, like, <laughs> essentially a year of imprisonment. Um, That's quite the change. It's quite the change, but, like, I mean, I'm sure that year, like, really fucking sucked because sure. those, those labor camps were not fun. Right. <laughs> yeah. So one of the other aspects that I like about this story is that, like, it ends up creating confusion in the British legal system for, like, the next almost 200 years. (laughs) Because it sets the precedent that you can be held liable for a crime even if you made an honest mistake and had good intentions. And, like, that whole, like, you know, what's reasonable, what isn't, like, there's obviously some gray area there. Um, And like, if you had like an honestly held belief, like, I don't know. So the issue wasn't actually resolved until a ruling in 1984 on a case where a man named Gladstone Williams had assaulted another man believing that man was either assaulting or robbing a young person. In reality, the man Williams attacked was just trying to detain said young person who was, like, actually the one who had committed some (laughs) crime. So he's trying to make, like, a citizen's arrest, and Williams like, no, fuck you. (laughs) So Williams gets convicted of assault, but he appeals, and he gets acquitted. And that's when it's, like, formally established and eventually written into law that if a person believes that force is necessary to protect themselves or to prevent a crime from being committed based on an honestly held and reasonable but mistaken belief then they cannot have committed a crime themselves so I think it just like it's like a little hard for me to understand like how what the details are like is the reasonable thing the thing they get hung up on or like is it the I don't know Um, But either way, like they don't like write this into law and like officially close the books on this until 1984. (laughs) Wow. So, and you said this was 1803? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it like took a long time for them to figure out like, what should the rules here be if someone like makes a mistake and accidentally commits a crime, (laughs) which is pretty wild. So that brings me back to Francis Smith and the murder of Thomas Millwood. So I guess first I will ask, like, Paige, what do you think? Like, do you think that he should have been found guilty of murder or do you think it should have
1: been manslaughter? If manslaughter is an option, then I think I would say manslaughter because, like... But, like, manslaughter is, know, like, though. you killed somebody, but you didn't mean to kill
0: somebody. Like, like, he meant to kill somebody. He, he meant, meant to fired the gun.
1: something that wasn't there to kill. Like, that's what's confusing for me is yeah. that, like, if it's – I'm having a hard time be- understanding what he- the purpose of the gun was. Because, right. like, you aren't – what are you going to do? We've already talked about this, but, like, what are you going to do with a gun if it's a ghost? If right. he and like so I guess like if I were to ask him that question, it would be partially dependent on what his answer would be. Right. <laughs> because like <laughs> because like if he legitimately thought that this gun had some power over whatever ghost he thought was there, and like he legitimately believed it was a ghost, then like yeah. I don't necessarily think that that he thought murder, it was gonna kill it or
0: anything. Yeah,
1: that like murder is a fair Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's complicated because it's, yeah. like,
0: on one hand, like, yes, he went out with a gun. He went out with it loaded. Like, he, that sort of implies that he's intending to shoot something. I think some one source, like, mentioned that, like, he didn't intend for it to be a fatal shot. And, like, I do kind of see, like, everybody's really riled up. Everybody's really upset. Like, he just fucking panics when he sees somebody dressed in yeah. white and, like, makes a mistake. So like, I guess manslaughter, but it's like, he shot so quickly. I like, I don't know. I I guess if you believe Smith that he didn't intend for it to be a fatal shot, like, but, but I agree with the judge that like the crimes that were committed by the ghost or, like, the person pretending to be the ghost, like, weren't punishable by death. So, like, having the gun is, like, already unreasonable. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. So if he's out there with, like, a weapon of deadly force and he thinks he's looking for a person dressed up as a ghost, like, I don't know. I think that's murder if he kills somebody.
1: I think the other part of this, too, is that, like, I don't remember when you mentioned it, but, like, even in this, like, let's pretend that this actually is a ghost for a second. Even if it were, like, the ghost isn't doing anything in that moment to hurt him. And so, like, the whole rule there, right, is that, like, you're not supposed to use deadly force unless, like, you're... Yeah,
0: unless you... Yeah, like, there's nothing that, like, the... Whatever, the ghost, the person, is just like walking down the street. Yeah. So yeah. it's like maybe chill the fuck out. But like, yeah. So that said, though, if we believe that he thought Millwood was actually a ghost and we know that everyone's really freaked out, we know that people potentially believe that this like ghost has scared women to death and like everybody's panicking and they want this to stop I guess that, like, downgrading to manslaughter probably would have been the right decision. I don't know. But, like, manslaughter feels more appropriate for, like, he shot at a ghost and, like, accidentally hit somebody else. Like, if you shoot a gun at something, like, you're trying Mm -hmm. to kill that thing.
1: (laughs) I mean, unless in his mind he knows shooting a ghost isn't going to do anything but thinks it might scare the ghost. (laughs) I don't know. I just like. It's I think complicated. For, yeah, for me, I feel like I would have to understand what he thought having a gun was going to do to that ghost. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I, and like, ultimately, I think what ended up happening to him, like, probably, I, I kind of feel like, well, it, you know, it works out either way because, like, he, yeah, he deserved some punishment sure. for like what he did. But, I certainly like, don't think death. Yeah, he didn't he didn't deserve to get executed. So like, <laughs> yeah, like he deserved to be put on trial and I think like, you know, giving him some imprisonment time was like a viable option. So, it kind of seems like they 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 like convicted him of murder but gave him like the manslaughter punishment yeah. treatment, yeah. you know. So, I don't know. So it's it's complicated though. And like yeah, and and you asked earlier. You were like, "Oh, do people really believe this was a ghost?" And it's like, "Gosh, to me, it seems so silly. It seems so obvious. Like this is just a person right. well, <laughs> running so- around being an asshole."
1: But like at the time, people really believed in ghosts. So like, I don't know. <laughs> so then my next question is: is like, okay, so now he is has been sentenced. And we know that Millwood was not a ghost. Like, what happened to the person who was pretending to be the ghost? Oh, yeah. So that's where we are. (laughs) Oh, are you actually going to talk about that?
0: Yeah. So here's the other twist to the story. Okay. (laughs) Is that a couple days after the shooting, another local man named John Graham, who's like an elderly guy, he's like feeling really guilty. And he confessed to being the Hammersmith ghost,
1: oh no,
0: <laughs> so it's a little unclear if he was always the ghost like some some sources say that like he only accounted for like one of the sightings or one of the occasions. It's un and like one other thing was like, oh, he thought it was fun the one time, so he did it a bunch of other times. But like, this is kind of like an old dude. I don't know, like it's like why I mentioned earlier that there may have been copycats or like other people fucking sure. around here. Um, yeah, but he confesses and he says that he went out dressed as a ghost to get revenge on some apprentices of his who scared his children with ghost stories. Oh so he's just like a dad who's like oh that's kind of sweet i'm gonna scare the shit out of you for scaring the shit out of my kids oh (laughs) i'm sure he felt so bad (laughs) And, and yeah and that's the thing i think he like maybe got like a slap on the wrist or like they told him like you gotta stop doing this for sure but like it doesn't seem like anything really happened to any him. Like no formal charges or punishments were issued. Like it just, the, the, the issue got dropped after that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like such a, it's a little bit of a funny detail that it's like, it was just this dude who was like, fuck you oh <laughs> for scaring my kids <laughs> poor john graham poor john graham i know but like just, maybe not poor john graham because like if it was like if if that if he had done it more than once and he was like physically assaulting people uh, yeah like, fair enough maybe not <laughs> <laughs> but if it was just like one time then yeah sure yeah um. Yeah. And then, of course, the final detail here is that, like, I don't know, in the irony of ironies, the man who was mistaken for the Hammersmith ghost, Thomas Millwood, now has become the Hammersmith ghost <laughs> because it's reported that he haunts the Black Lion Inn, which is where his body was taken to be examined after he was killed. Gosh
1: i I like love that story so much <laughs> it, yeah it's it's like sort of a mind fuck
0: yeah i want to see the movie of there's the a movie ghost no
1: i mean like i want there to be a movie oh, oh, oh okay
0: <laughs> i yeah. think it would be
1: a good movie well i'm just thinking like okay so like let's play this out for a second where this happened to the the clown people
0: yeah right you know like yeah that's that's fair
1: I mean like I guess the difference is is that we all know that those were people like it's not like clowns like clowns are just people so (laughs) it's (laughs) clowns are people too Paige (laughs) it's not it's it's not like there's any question on whether or not there was a person under that suit but like yeah you know I I don't know like I I I don't want to say that by dressing up as a clown and like staring into people's windows and like being scary that you deserve to be shot. Like, I certainly don't believe that, but like at some point you're sort of asking for trouble. Right. Right. So,
0: yeah. I mean, like I think even the, yeah, like I don't want to victim blame because like even the judge in the case, I think says something about like, forget the ghost aspect like imagine this was like a highway robber or something like that or like it was just someone trying to like burgle somebody like if you shoot them
1: (laughs) because you
0: believe like they're you know they're committing some crime or like you believe that they're they're guilty of some crime like you've still killed this person and like You've done it on purpose. <laughs>
1: like that's I agree. murder. <laughs> I just wonder, like, what this. I, I like wonder if that had happened, like, if somebody had gotten seriously hurt because of the whole clown thing. How, yeah, like, a jury would have handled that because, like, that sort of. I'm like kind of comparing the two. <laughs> I guess,
0: like, the difference is, like, I think, I think laws are different in the U.S. Yeah, like there are way more like stand your ground laws and stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, like way more protections for people. But I guess like these are all in public property.
1: So I don't know. Yeah, I guess they are different in that way. Fair enough. All right. Well, that wraps up our first spooky true crime episode of 2023. Join Megan, Tyson, and Jeremy next time for an episode on Appalachian folklore. If you like this episode, hit subscribe and share with a friend. Check the show notes for links to all of our social media accounts, our Discord server, and Patreon. If you have any questions about previous topics or ideas for future episodes, email us at spooky science sisters at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening and stay spooky. Spooky Science Sisters is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information or to check out other shows, please visit evergreenpodcasts.com.
0: Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis.